Good evening again. It's amazing how fast the time is going. In two weeks from tonight, we'll be having our Seder dinner. Two weeks from tonight, we go into the, uh, the Holy Week, our Passover Seder, our Good Friday service, our Sunday morning services. So uh, if you have not gotten your ticket yet and you'd like to be a part of that, there's still tickets available and you can grab some after the service. So definitely want to put that on your schedule and, and do that if you've never done a Seder. So you can do that after the service. Um, on Wednesday nights, we're going through the Bible at a, at a top level. Uh, we call it peaks. We're looking at the mega themes of scripture, the mega portions of scripture. And right now we find ourselves in the book of Proverbs. And uh, I'm not going to have you turning your Bibles tonight to any Proverbs. I'm going to put all the Proverbs up here. There's a lot of Proverbs that we're going to look at tonight, and you're going to be flying through the Bible if, if, if we, uh, so it'll just be easier logistically if we um, check them out on the screen tonight. Let's go to the, to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father, we do rejoice, absolutely rejoice in the great love that you have for us and the love that you demonstrated. Lord, the giving of your life so that we could be forgiven, we could become children in your family. Lord, we rejoice in salvation tonight. We also rejoice in your word tonight. You love us so much that you've given us truth, wisdom by which we can live our lives, and as we apply that wisdom to our lives, you keep us safe, fruitful, healthy. Thank you, Lord, for your truth and how practical it is. Bless this time, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Each proverb that you find in the book of Proverbs is like this little golden nugget of wisdom, this little golden nugget of truth that you can know in your heart and you can apply it to your life in wonderful, practical ways. And there are over 500 uh, proverbs in this book, so there's a lot of gold to get. And as we talked about last week, these little golden nuggets of truth can be organized topically. You can collect these little nuggets that you read in the book of Proverbs into buckets, so to speak, with each bucket representing a topic. And we've looked at several topics over the last couple weeks. Well, tonight, I want us to consider the family bucket. There is so much in the book of Proverbs that speaks of family life, home life, our roles in the family, our responsibilities in the family. And this is so important. This is where we live, right? This is right in the nitty-gritty 
of life. So we're going to be looking at different roles in the family. Not all of the Proverbs, of course, that relate to each one, but some samples. And tonight we're going to begin with the husbands. Guys, are you ready? Wives, are you ready with that elbow? Don't do that to your husband. Just pray there silently for him. But let's talk about husbands. And we're going to keep it very, very simple. Guys, you want to be a good husband. You want to be wise as a husband. So let's consider a few Proverbs. Proverbs 19, verse 14. Houses and riches are an inheritance from whom? Fathers. But a prudent wife is from the Lord. Now notice, that is what is expected. That is something that seems to be what's expected of the husband, the father, the money, the houses, the resources. And the way I read the Bible, both Old and New Testament, guys, that is one of your number one priorities in your family. You are to be the provider. You are to be the breadwinner. That responsibility of provision for your home rests upon your shoulders. Now, I realize that we live in a culture where we have two income families, right? We live in a time where husbands and wives... Both can work outside the home, and there's nothing wrong with that. But even so, dad, husband, the weight of that responsibility rests on your shoulder. And wives, that's something very important to understand about your husband. They feel that weight. They feel that responsibility. It's kind of how a guy's built. We want to provide. The Bible says that the husband should be the primary provider for the home. Now, provision is very, very important, but it's not the most important thing. I love this one. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened calf with hatred. What's that proverb saying? That proverb is saying that it's it's a better thing in a home to sit down at the table for a humble meal and there be love than for a family to sit down for a meal together and have a very wealthy, rich, luxurious kind of meal where there's hatred. So it would be better to be poor and have love in your house than to be very wealthy and have hatred in your your house. And so that's something that dads and fathers um, and husbands really need to understand. You are to be a provider for your home, but you have to walk that balance of not 
putting all of your energy so much into providing for your home that you're not there for your wife or that you're not there for your children. You're not there to put time and energy into them with your time, your presence, your attention. So now that is something that every Christian man has to learn the balance. And I have spoken with many brothers in Christ. It's a struggle. It has oftentimes been a struggle in my life. As a husband, as a father, how much should I devote to the work, right? And then how do I get myself to spend adequate time with my family? It's very difficult, but you better find it. You need to find that balance. And there's things like issues that you could, you could think through, guys. I mean, would it be better to live in a smaller home that didn't require so much work that you could spend more time with your family? Things like that. There's got to be that love, that investment of your time in your wife and your children. So we're to be providers, but we're to be balanced in that. Okay, here's another responsibility for the husband. The husband is to love the wife. Guys, did you hear that? You are to love your wives. Your wife is to be your best friend, your priority, your companion. The most important relationship in your life. Proverbs 30 says, under three things, the earth trembles. Under four, it cannot bear up. In other words, if you want to see massive earthquakes in your life, there are four things that will do it. A servant who becomes king, a fool who is full of food, an unloved woman who's married. And a maidservant who displaces her mistress. I'm just looking at that third thing. An unloved woman who's married. Husband. If your wife feels unloved in your marriage, that's big trouble. You are to love her. You are to serve her. You are to treat her as queen. You are to care for her. You are to spend time with her. The New Testament, of course, says this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. Okay, so that's not too hard, right? No, that's very hard, isn't it? Husband, you're to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Sacrificially, unconditionally, all in. Never forget that. No matter how long you've been married, husband, you pour that time and that affection and that love into your wife. On the same, uh, in the same thread of thinking, um, 
husband, also remember that you are to have eyes only for your wife. You are to be faithful to your wife. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 15, to husband says, Drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Guys, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth as a loving deer and a graceful doe. Let her breasts satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. Yep, that's in the Bible. Right? (laughs) My brother, my married brother, husband, you be faithful to your wife. Have eyes only for her. Nobody else. And do that for life. That is the wise husband. Okay, there's a, another responsibility for husbands um, that's implied throughout the book of Proverbs, but it's specifically said in the New Testament. Let me just give you that one. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is savior of the body. The Bible has placed the husband in a headship role. That's just for the sake of order. doesn't mean the man's better than the woman. God has put the husband in the leadership position. So, Dad, listen. Husband, listen. You're to lead. You're to lead your home. And you should lead your home Spiritually, you should be the spiritual leader of your home. Dad, it should be you. Husband, it should be you that's getting everybody up on Sunday mornings for church. It should be you that's investing in everyone's life spiritually. It should be you that's teaching the Bible. And you know, so often in many Christian couples, many Christian marriages, it's the opposite. It's the wife that does all that. And it's great. That's awesome, wife. Do that. But how much better if it's the husband? The impact that that has on kids and the family. So, husbands, provide Love, lead. Provide, love, lead. Very important. Okay, husbands, now you can get your elbows ready. Let's see what the book of Proverbs has to say about the wives. Now, did you know that there's almost an entire chapter in the book of Proverbs that's dedicated to the wife? Does anybody know what chapter that is? Proverbs chapter 31. The virtuous woman. The Proverbs 31 woman. 
How many brothers in Christ have I heard say, man, I got to find a Proverbs 31 woman to marry. And I want to tell them right away, if you want to marry a Proverbs 31 woman, you better be a Proverbs chapter 1 through 30 man. (laughs) Amen? But very simply, what does the Bible have to say about wives? Proverbs 31, verse 27. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Now, remember, the Bible puts the bulk of responsibility for provision on the shoulder of the husband. The Bible puts the bulk of responsibility for wives upon being the caregiver the manager of the home, the one who takes care of the children and the matters of the home. Now, I know that sounds really, really old-fashioned, but Old and New Testament give that priority to the wife. You're to be a part of that. That is supposed to be the bulk of the responsibility that you take on. And... I'll tell you, um, there's nothing like a mother's love. There's nothing like a wife's love. I remember when our kids were young, we had three kids in diapers. Three in diapers. We were the proud owners of a three-seated stroller. We maximized our chaos. And I will tell you right up front, I will admit, I had a difficult time with small kids. I didn't like them. They were not rational. You couldn't work with them. I'm kidding. I absolutely love them and adore them. However, I was blown away, still am to this day, over the patience of Kim and the nurturing instinct of a mom. There is no replacing that. There is no replacing that in the home. Wife, um, that responsibility of caregiving rests upon you. Now, of course, the, the, the dad, the, the husband helps. There's no doubt. But a lot of that rests upon the wife. Now, does that mean a wife can't work outside of the home? Of course not. You, you read through Proverbs 31, and you'll find out that the Proverbs 31 woman was very active in her community. She would invest. She would consider a field and buy it and then plant a vineyard. It would appear that she also had her own business that she went through. So, I mean, you read Proverbs 31, and it's exhausting how hard of a worker the virtuous, noble wife is. So there can be that issue, but then you have a balancing act in life too, wife. Balancing between maybe work that you might do outside of the home and, and that work that, that needs to be done in the home. And I would strongly recommend that if your work outside the home is cutting too much into your work inside the home, that you would consider uh, giving back some hours. 
You don't want your kids raised by childcare, do you? Do you want your own children raised by daycare? You want to spend your time investing into your children, especially in those very young ages. So, caregiving for the wife. Wives should also love their husbands. It says there, the heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Wife, love your husband. Do good to him. Serve him. And here's one of the greatest ways in a Christian marriage that you can show love to your husband. Honor him. Respect him. Support him. In fact, it says in Ephesians chapter 5, and I know this is a verse that a lot of Women don't like it. Again, it seems like it's very old-fashioned in our day and age. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. Um, Submission to a husband, it's not this bad, horrible thing. It's not this, the Bible doesn't teach that, that, that women are inferior to men. Absolutely not. Submission is not a bad thing. In fact, the Bible tells us that we're all to be submissive to people. We're to be submissive to our government rulers. We're to be submissive to our bosses. Before Paul even mentions this, a couple verses prior, Paul tells all of us to be submissive to one another. It's not a bad thing. The Bible tells us That God the Son is submissive to God the Father. Does that mean Jesus is inferior? By no means. This is for the sake of order in a home. A marriage is meant to be a team. Both husband and wife working together. And for the sake of order, God has chosen the husband to be in the position of leadership. And the wife will willingly be that support. Now that means that the husband is loving his wife as Christ loves the church. Not abusing this whole... You know, I've met guys that have have totally abused this verse. They've treated their wives disgustingly. Like servants, ordering them around, demanding that you got to respect me. Uh, dude, why don't you earn her respect by loving her as Christ loves the church? And let me tell you this. The more a, a husband loves his wife, the more a wife honors and supports the husband and the more he loves and the more she supports and the more they love and the tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter it goes. This isn't a bad thing. It's an important thing. So wives, give that care. Love your husband and be willing to take a 
support role, honoring him. Okay, there's another uh, verse that shows up over and over in the book of Proverbs concerning wives. And because it shows up all the time, I'm going to put it up here. Better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. That is repeated over and over and over again in the book of Proverbs. And in the book of Proverbs, it also says, like the constant nagging dripping of water in a leaky house. Such is a nagging, contentious wife. So wives, don't be a nag. Don't be one who is constantly complaining and griping. Instead, Proverbs 31, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of what? Kindness, be kind. Be kind. Now, guys, um, a lot of times you're responsible for a nagging wife. You know why? Because you don't do anything. You don't do what's required around the house. You're ignoring her. You're ignoring things that need to be done. Get the stuff done. Help her. Help each other. Amen? All right. Husbands and wives. I want to look at another parents. Parents. Moms and dads. The book of Proverbs indicates that there are three priorities for us as parents. And the first we've basically already talked about. We are to be caregivers to our kids. Obviously. We're to take care of our kids. We're to make sure they're clothed. We're to make sure they've got food. We're to pour time and love, make sure they have shelter and all of that. So, yeah, that is definitely a priority for every parent. We should do everything we can to take care of our kids at every age, et cetera, et cetera. That's given. I believe we all agree and understand that as parents. So that would be one priority. The second priority, and this is very, very important. You are to teach your children. You are to teach them. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Mom and dad, you are to train up your children. And that is a word that means consistent, deliberate, ongoing training. Teach them. You are to mentor them. You are to instruct them in the ways of life. By the time they leave your roof, they should be well instructed in all matters of life. It is the responsibility of parents. It is not the responsibility of schools or school teachers. It is not the responsibility 
of the church. It is not the responsibility of a children's ministry. It is not the responsibility of a youth ministry. Though that can help. The primary responsibility rests upon you as mom and dad. You have to teach them. And you have to teach them everything that there is in life starting at an early age. You need to teach your kids manners. You need to teach your kids how to work hard. You need to teach your children how to respect other people, how to communicate with other people. You need to teach your children how to handle disappointments in life, trials in life, practical things. You need to teach your children how to manage finances, how to ride a bike, how to drive a car, what insurance is all about, how to balance a checkbook, how to study, all of the life issues. Parent, you have the responsibility to uh, teach your children about sex. Sex education should be given at home. Not these crazy schools, right? All of that rests on your shoulders. You have your kids under your care for just a little bit of time. Pour into them. Teach everything you can. And of course, most importantly, teach them spiritual truth. Parent, You're the one that should teach your child about salvation. You should teach your child about the gospel. Mom and dad, you should be the one who gets to lead your child to Christ. To train them up in the ways of the Lord. To teach them the Bible. To teach them how to pray. All of that rests upon you. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, in every single opportunity that you are given with your child, Look for ways to teach them spiritual truth. It doesn't have to be a formal sit-down. I knew a a family years ago, and and on uh, the the dad in the family, would he actually had a pulpit in their living room. And he would make the family sit on pews before the pulpit, and he'd get up and, that's kind of (laughs) weird. If you're going to have a formal Bible study, sit on the sofa. Make it, a, make it a family meeting. It doesn't have to be anything formal or stiff like that. Mom, dad, look for opportunities to instill spiritual truth in the lives of your children. Don't, don't, don't get lazy with this. Don't get lazy. Don't neglect this responsibility. It's been said children are like wet cement. Whatever falls on them makes an impression. 
If you don't teach them, other people will. Other people will. They'll learn about life from movies, from television programs, from teachers at school, from peers. Do you want that? Take the time and invest, teach your children. And it's more than just instructing a child. This is a very important proverb. It says, the righteous man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. Notice this. The husband, the father, the wife, the mother, they walk through life in integrity. And the idea is the children are blessed as they follow right along behind them. Do you see that? It's more than instruction. It's modeling. It's being an example. It's not just talking the talk. It's walking the talk. Have you ever said to your child, do as I say, not as I do? Does that hold any weight? Come on. Does that hold any weight? Your children need to see you studying the Bible, you praying together, you making the effort to go to church. Your children need to watch you work hard. They observe how you communicate with your husband or your wife. They observe how you handle finances. They're watching, and they watch, don't they? They watch, and they mimic. The example much better than the instruction. Okay, so we take care of them, we teach them, and then here's another very, very important responsibility for us as parents. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him does what? Disciplines him promptly. Parents, We are to discipline our children. That means we are to teach them, we are to instruct them, and we are to rebuke them. We are to discipline them when they don't obey. You have to correct them. If you love your children, you will discipline them. If you hate your children, that's what the proverb says, ah, you'll let them do whatever they want. What happens when you do that as a parent? They grow up to be irresponsible brats, self-centered masters of the universe. They get in all kinds of trouble. So you have to discipline them. Now, um, Sparing the rod, that's talking about a paddle with a spanking. I don't know about you, but I got whoopings when I grew up. And my mom had this butter stick. And it was so pretty, it had flowers on it. But when the butter stick came out, <laughs> it, it, was, it, was, it was discipline. 
Now, you don't, obviously, I'm not advocating a physical abuse. You know that. But a little spank, a little slap, correct your child. There are very effective ways to discipline your children as they get older. Grounding, right? You want to drive a teenager nuts? Take that away for one hour. (laughs) Take the phone away for one week. Take the car away. Take television away. Tough love. You have to do it. And why do you have to do that? Proverbs 22 says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. Listen, children have folly in their hearts. They're foolish. You can't just set them off on their own. You have to instruct them with wisdom. A little child will look at a red-hot burner and go, Oh, how neat. It looks so pretty. I'd like to touch. As a parent, you have to intervene. You have to take that very responsibly. Now, I realize that um, a lot of this is very unpopular in today's culture. A lot of the parenting philosophies today are um, one of permissiveness. You know, just kind of let kids do what they want. And, And here's the one I like the best. Reason with your child. Take time to reason with your seven-year-old. Try to understand them. Have an intellectual conversation. Come on. Instruct them. Train them. Discipline them. You guys heard of uh, Dr. Benjamin Spock? He's been called the father of permissiveness when it comes to parenting. In 1946, he wrote that book called Baby and Child Care, one of the best-selling books of all time. I think the second year it was out, it was second on the list for the year behind the Bible. And it sort of became the child care Bible. And he's been called the father of permissiveness. He was the one that started to kind of advocate for, you know, just let kids learn on their own and be... And, and people, I mean, it... it I think it's created a lot of problems. Almost 30 years later in 1974, Dr. Benjamin Spock wrote an article. The name of this article had to do with bratty kids. (laughs) After living to see a generation of bratty, pesky children, he admitted that he had been wrong. He said, inability to be firm is to my mind the commonest problem of parents in America today. He placed the blame, at least in part, on the experts, the child psychiatrists, the psychologists, the teachers, the social workers, and pediatricians like myself, end quote. Now, he didn't recant all of his positions, but he did eventually see that if you have a lack of discipline, if there's a lack of discipline, 
You create monsters. You create monsters. And the same thing is true that I said about teaching. If you don't teach them, others will. If you don't discipline your children, others will. The leaders of the gang that they get involved with, they'll discipline them. The court system will discipline your children. The police officer will gladly discipline your child. Everyone gets disciplined. Everyone. Because we were all children at once and we had foolishness in our hearts. Parent, you be the one to discipline. So hard. It is hard. We want to spoil our kids, don't we? We want to just throw all this time and love and attention on them. But you got to be strong. You got to be firm. And you got to do it with love. Again, another balancing act, right? In the family, we're always balancing. Too much love, too much discipline, how do you? You have to ask for the help of the Lord. Now, these are very important. Um, If you will parent like this, uh, great things in store for you. It says in Proverbs chapter 29, correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. Proverbs 17 says, a foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. If you raise a monster, you're going to regret it. Your heart's going to be pained. If you invest in your child and have someone who's wise, what a joy that will be. Do it now while they're young. Invest in them. You say, but my kids already grew up. Hey, listen, continue to love them. Keep praying for them. Never give up on a son or daughter. Amen? Never, ever, ever. Do what you can. Okay, I want to do one more bucket tonight. And we will call this the children bucket. What do you think the number one responsibility of children in the home is? What? Absolutely. Amen. Hallelujah, right? Children are to listen and obey. Children are to obey their parents, period. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace, they will add to you. The New Testament. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is what is to be expected of children in a Christian family. They are to obey their parents. And of course, you would apply this mostly to the children that are dependents still living at home. You are to obey your parents. You're to listen and obey them. And mom and dad, remember, you are in charge. 
Parents, please listen. Your kids are not in charge. Your teenager, I know, because I have a couple of them, three of them. Teenagers think they know everything, don't they? They know all about it. Listen, you know way more than your teenager, and you are in charge. And you have a whole lot more experience under your belt. So you are to give them rules, commands, understanding, instruction, and they are to obey you. And you're to teach them to obey. You know, I remember, uh, and the culture is kind of against that. Have you noticed that? The culture now is, eh, teenager, your parents are out of touch. You do your own thing. A lot of the movies and all of that. In fact, I remember when I was growing up, did you ever see uh, that, mo- that TV show called Eight is Enough? Anybody remember Eight is Enough? And uh, who was that guy? Dick Van Patten was the dad. They had eight kids. And Willie Ames was kind of the rebellious uh, teenager. You know what I remember about that show? I remember the father on every episode looking confused. He would just... They made the dad look like he's just walking around the house like this confused person. And every single episode, the dad learned something. The dad learned something from one of the teenagers. Oh, poor dad. He just don't know modern living. And I hated that because every every episode, it was like the parents were getting the lesson. Listen. The kids get the lessons. Mom and dad, you've lived longer. You have wisdom. Tell the truth. Demand obedience. Now it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And then in verse 2 it says what? Honor your father and mother. So we are to obey our parents, and then we're also to honor our parents. And that would apply to all of us who have parents still alive, no matter how old we are or they are. Amen? Honor your parents. Honor your mom and dad. Respect them. Give them dignity. Welcome their advice. That doesn't mean you're going to always take their advice, but include them. Go visit them. Esteem them. Respect them. You say, well, my parents weren't the best of parents. Maybe not. But remember that all parents struggle. Were you the perfect parent? Your parents brought you into this world. They changed your diapers. They fed you. You survived childhood. And I'm convinced we would not survive childhood if we didn't have parents, right? Moms and dads watch over kids. Okay, maybe they weren't the best. And maybe there's things that you need to forgive them about in your life. But you should still honor them and respect them. And we need to teach that to our children now. They're to honor their grandparents. Our teenagers are to honor 
people in authority. They're to honor parents. And I hate it when I hear somebody call their dad, my old man. You ever heard that? My old man. He's your dad. He's your father. Respect. Teach your children that. In fact, here's a great verse. If you want to put the fear of God in a teenager. The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother. The ravens of the valley will pick it out. And the young eagles will eat it. Have your teenagers memorize that one. That's a great one. The Bible says over and over and over, you got a teenager that mocks a parent, that does evil towards a parent. That young man, that young woman is in big trouble. Big trouble. By the way, all of these commands, did you notice, obey your parents in the Lord that you might live. What? Longer. That you might live a life of peace. To obey mom and dad. To honor them. The Bible says that'll give you peace in life. That'll give you direction. That'll give you a longer life with a higher quality of living. One more thing that we can do for our parents Listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is what? Old. Take care of your elderly parents. Take care of your elderly parents. Don't neglect them. Watch over them. Provide for them. Don't just tuck away your elderly parents in some home and you never go see them. You can honor them by helping them in their old age. Remember, they helped you in your young age. Okay. Um... We just touched the surface. There are hundreds of other Proverbs in the book of Proverbs that talk about being a good dad, being a good mother, being a a, a wife, a good wife, a good husband, a good child. These are just parts of that. But um, those are so important. The family unit is so important. That's where we live. I do believe that the family is the most important part of all of society. It is the family unit that makes up society, right? As the family goes, so will society. And you know as well as I do that there is an all-out war against the family. The enemy has declared war upon marriage. The enemy has declared war upon parenting. And why? Why? To destroy as many people as possible. Christian husband, Christian wife, Christian father, Christian mother. Hear the wisdom from God's word. 
and I don't care how old-fashioned it might seem, embrace it. Seek to follow the Lord in your family. And let's produce these, these awesome kids, amen, that will go out. It's not easy. You definitely need the Lord. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight for the reminder. Lord, it's always good as your people to have our view of your plan for the family to be fine-tuned, to be reminded. Father, I want to pray that we would trust you in what you've called us to do, the roles that you've called us to play as, as uh, husband, wife, father, mother. Lord, I pray that we would learn to walk that balancing, uh, that tight wire, that tight wire, Lord. That, Lord, for us dads, that we would find that balance between being good providers and still being present. We need that, Lord. Help us to love our wives. Help us to be good leaders. And Lord, with the wives and, and, and all that hard work and, and caring for the needs of the family and the home, and then many also working outside the home, I ask your blessing upon my sisters tonight. Help them, Lord, to find balance. Help them, Lord, also to love and honor, respect their husbands. Lord, I pray that we would be good parents. That we would not leave the instruction of our children to other people, but that we would take that responsibility fully. And Lord, that we'd start now. Lord, I want to pray for our children. I pray that they would grow up with good examples. I pray for our youth group, our children's ministry. Those that work with young people, that you would bless them. But most especially, I pray for every parent here. That you would use them in a mighty way in the life of their child. I pray that our children would learn obedience. And Lord, we need to absolutely depend upon you. Give us strength. Give us your wisdom. You know, it might be with your head bowed, your eyes closed. It might be that you might be here tonight and you wonder, how can I do this? Well, you need, to, you need the help of the Lord in your life. You need to be committed to Jesus first and foremost. Jesus needs to be the Lord of your life personally, then your marriage, then your family. Do you have that? Do you have the help of the Lord?
you know him? Maybe you'd say, Terry, my family's a wreck. Everybody's messed up. Multiple generations. Well, you come to Christ. You. The chain reaction that God can create through your life is amazing. So if you're here tonight and you've never received Christ, and you need help in this, then receive him right now. Humble yourself before him right now. He died on the cross for you. He rose again. You can become his child and his spirit can dwell in you and give you power and wisdom to help. So I would invite you to ask him into your life if you've never done so. Just in the quietness of your heart, say, Lord Jesus, I need help. I need to be a part of your family. I need your Holy Spirit. I need your energy. I need your strength. So I humble myself before you tonight. I ask, Lord, that you would be my Savior, that you would wash away all my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and rising again. Make me yours. And then, Lord, give me the ability, the power, the patience to be the mom, the wife, the dad, the husband, the teenager that you've called me to be. In Jesus' name.